Welcome to the All In Remote Podcast, where we believe that companies can unlock their potential, build healthy resilience, and succeed in an increasingly volatile world. We'll explore the new challenges of leadership, best practices for developing culture and trust, and the innovative tools that help make it possible. Here's your host, Kendra Kinnison. In previous episodes, we've explored tools and tricks for remote workers. Another important aspect to consider is how each company designs, implements, and supports those tools. So today we're focusing on Slack from the organizational perspective with three panelists from our allocations team, Deja, Brianna, and Rachel. Thank you so much for being here. I really think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Thanks for having us. Very excited. All right. So let's kick off with Deja as our IT architect. What are the principles that you think about when you're evaluating internal tools and those initial configurations of how you're going to set them up? Yeah, I genuinely focus on on the vision. So how can this scale? I think the worst thing that happens is when you bring on a tool or you're looking at a tool and you think, oh, this is perfect for seven people that we have now for a specific team. And we know in the future that this team is going to grow to 70 and that product may break around five. And so I usually like to avoid getting people accustomed to a tool, just even knowing that you won't be using this in a few weeks and here's what you have now. So it really kind of leaves a bad taste in people's mouths as well. And another thing that I like to focus on is, as we kind of discussed previously, is like the security aspect of that. And if this is going to be a great tool, not only for one team, or we can use it for multiple teams, like how can we use this tool to co-collaborate with people in our organization and outside of it? Very cool. Great points. And you're right. Some of those team leads or operators, we want to jump right in and not really think about that big picture. So let's talk about Slack specifically. So when you think about configuring Slack, obviously with the goal of supporting asynchronous, where we don't have to all be online at the exact same time, but then you've got the added challenge of making sure everything plays nice on every possible device. Yes. Slack can be a little wonky when it comes to different devices. So phones versus like tablets versus like computers. But it's been a new challenge from when I actually worked at Slack um, for two years. So it's a big difference from looking at it from an IT standpoint within that organization while not being in the office versus how we look at it now. Something that I think is always a huge focus on is just really making sure that every team is aligned, always adding, what's the purpose of this channel? A lot of times when I didn't know what I was doing and I was running around looking for information through millions of Slack channels, it was always extremely helpful to see the purpose of this. If I need help with people questions, oh, what is this channel? It's for you to ask questions about your benefits, things like that. If I had questions for engineers or any new hires, and I just always knew that there was a place to find them and kind of piggybacking off of that is making sure that channels always seem to have the same, um, what word am I looking for? The same kind of like tag. So, oh, oh, this, oh, oh, that. So it makes it a lot easier for us to find what we're looking for. A lot of people are not added into a lot of channels, so they may not even know what they're looking for. So a lot of the times you'll end up using that command K or searching through a channel and you're using that as a search bar or as a search engine. And you're like, 
Okay, I think it may be these ones. So it's just really keeping people aligned on what the channels are for, keeping people aligned on different time zones, kind of how Oli had mentioned, and just being mindful of how we communicate with each other in that way. Great point. Those naming conventions. Yes. I think think Brianna gets credit for getting those organized for us. So not officially your title, but I think you volunteered for the role of of sort of chief slack trainer somewhere along the way. You guys are a, a tag team duo setting it up and then helping us to actually use it. What did you notice that really caused you to step up and volunteer and and try to hurt us cats in using it more productively? Well, I think that it's a very powerful tool. And so there are a lot of features and settings that people might not be aware of. So it's just about educating people so that they have the tools that they need to succeed and get everybody on the same page. And, you know, we have different like patterns that we like to use at allocation. So making sure that everybody understands those, making sure everybody is aware of how they can optimize Slack and their time for the day. Great point. And Rachel, the, I think the thing that surprised me and that you've played a, a huge role in is how Slack is more than a business tool. I think it's really a connecting tool. Tell us a little bit more about how you've really tried to guide and sculpt that effort. Yeah, so at Allocations, we're all about building our company culture and maintaining that being virtual at times can be challenging. But with Slack, we have found very sort of unique and creative ways to maintain that. And throughout that, it's been amazing to get to know people's little quirks and their interests. And it's a great tool to really build common ground. And in doing that, you build trust with your teammates. And at the same time, you're instilling our values, one of them being, you know, people first. So for example, we have our out of office Slack channel where people will be very vulnerable at times and post when they're going to be taking a day off, a couple of days off, or even a couple hours off to run an errand, or maybe they have a family emergency that comes up. And that vulnerability is really beautiful to see people sharing those intimate things about their life and just being able to connect on a deeper level other than what's going on at work and with clients and with emails and things like that. So that's a beautiful channel to be a part of. And then of course, the water cooler channel, which is open to everyone to post whatever fun activities they're doing, adventures, their recent trips, just funny moments that happen throughout the workday even. And then my personal favorite are sort of the niche channels that have been occurring. So the Wordle channel that Kendra (laughs) started, I just found out about that not too long ago. There's a bunch that just pop up that I have no idea about. But some of my favorites are the Pets channel, where we just post about our pets, silly pictures about our pets. We have a Trader Joe's fan club channel where people post their order at Trader Joe's. Um, We even have an astrology fan channel, which one of our team members hosted an astrology club sort of Slack huddle group. So we actually got together after work and she facilitated a conversation about that. So that was really interesting. And then the dreams, we talk about our dreams that we have at night. So there's a bunch of really cool little niche channels that people can find those connection points. And I think that goes a really long way and just maintaining our values and trust as we scaled from 
when I joined, I think I was like the 17th hire or so, and now 112 people. It's amazing that we've scaled that connectivity. And Slack's been a big part of that. Great point. And to Deja's point, you know, it is interesting. Some tools maybe break at scale and other tools get more powerful at scale. And it has been interesting that Slack has allowed for the work channels, if you will, the important channels that we use to to get work done. And then a whole family of fun channels too. And it, it really does perform double duty, perhaps better than than other tools. It, and I didn't even realize you'd been at Slack before. So do you think that's a, a feature, not a bug, so to speak, that it's built in that, that versatility? Yeah, it was so amazing. I mean, you really find your family in those support groups. And again, it's like using those, that search bar to find a channel. I'm like, well, I'm a parent. So do they have any parent channels? Well, I'm a woman. Do they have any channels for like what it's like to be a woman? And we're just all being, as you said, being vulnerable in those channels. Like, you know, this is something that I went through that was really tough today. And then just having people like you to come in and say, oh, you know what? I've been through that as well. Like, here's how to support you. And it was a way that I had made a bunch of friends that I'd never seen in the office. Some of them worked in New York and I'm in California. Some of them are in the UK. And when they come over here, it's like, oh, well, let's go grab lunch now. Let's go to the happy hour. Like we've actually formed friendships with people that I've never actually worked with or had an opportunity to even collaborate with. And now there's a friendship that was built from that. Beautiful. So Slack, really, if a company opens it up for that, it sounds like team members can organically create their own interest group channels and share information. And and like you said, Rachel, now even huddle from within Slack. So if if you were to give advice to another company out there that let's say right now is, is mainly using Slack just for the work part, not for the connecting or the, or the fun part, what advice might each of you have for companies on how to think about that? Yeah, I'll start by saying that I think that it's even more valuable for companies who are fully remote, like allocations, because we don't actually have a a water cooler. We do have a water cooler channel that we use, but it just allows us those opportunities to have conversations about our interests and, and about our life that are outside of our working channels. So I would definitely encourage any other company to embrace Slack for more than just strictly work and to think of the opportunities that it could provide. Yeah, and I would say for team members to empower your team to create those channels. I think we've done a really good job here doing that. Just the other day, someone came up with, an idea to create a binge this channel for Netflix shows and things like that. And we just create channels on the fly and just empowering your team and making making it known that you have this tool to use it for that purpose as well. And it's totally okay. And we support that as a company and organization and we encourage it at the same time. So you don't feel like you're doing something naughty at work <laughs> by having these sort of like water cooler conversations. It's really, it really does go a long way to build that trust and connectivity. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said. I think it's great for managers, Slack owners, anyone to really just kind of take a step back. You can still live in those channels and just watch how things kind of build organically without the need for you to jump in and push. A lot of these channels just start because someone's like, I like Home Depot. Does anybody else like Home Depot? And now there's this Home Depot channel and it just grows organically. So it's like letting 
your team and your colleagues just take the rein and allow them to feel comfortable being vulnerable. Yeah, Slack gets a bad rep because people are like, I don't want to post on here because my messages can be viewed and things like that. As someone that worked in Slack, I can guarantee that that's not necessarily a thing. But it's like people have this fear that if I'm vulnerable, if I share the things that I want to share, then there's this automatic, like, you'll be reprimanded and you'll be in trouble. So I think these spaces, when they grow organically, it allows them to say, you know what, I can be myself at work. I can show up 100% as who I am, fully comfortable, and I know that I can do my job. But then I can also talk about my dog when I want to or what I did for Halloween. And it just creates that work-life balance while being at work. Great point. I think Brianna touched on when you're fully remote, this is almost essential, right? Because there really almost isn't any other way to replicate that kind of connection. And I think everything is pretty much monitored nowadays. So we're all on equal footing wherever you, wherever you like to share your information. It's probably all, all being captured by your compliance teams from one aspect or, or another. So Slack's probably equally weighted to Gmail chat or, or whatever it might be. They're all, all caught up in monitoring for most companies these days. Okay, so what happens when it gets noisy? How do you control the noise and the balancing of all the different notifications and just the the potential overwhelm that comes with being active in so many channels? Do you guys have thoughts on that? I have a few. You go first, Deja. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My chat, my Slack is always blowing up here when I was there. I learned a lot through organizing the channels. Um, I always star my most important ones. I organize my channels by entertainment versus like this team versus benefits. I always label all of them. I recommend using your status as much as you can as a way to let people know like, hey, I'm not available from this time to this time. Whether you're doing whatever else, whether your head's down, Or even just if you want to carve in your own focus time towards like, hey, these are muted because I'm focusing on whatever work I need to get done. Something that I was really bad at at Slack was I would open people's messages and then someone else would message me and I would forget that I was in a conversation with that person. So I learned to look at a conversation and then put it unread. Or a lot of people don't know that we have a remind me tool where it's like you can go slash remind me to respond to this person at this time and you'll get reminded like five minutes early to respond to that person. So it does take a lot of effort to kind of like clean up and get to that, but everyone's different. So I, I think you just have to find really what works best for you. That's so cool. I did not know we had a remind me option. I always do the unread. So like the way I sort of manage my email is the same way I manage my Slack in terms of notifications. So I'll look at it. And if I need to go back, I'll just mark it as unread or I won't archive it. So I know I have to go back and respond to it. But one tip that I do is I actively mute channels that I'm not an active participant on. So one example is that of that for our organization, our deal channels So I get added to a lot of those and they can be very, very noisy. And sometimes maybe I might need to see something that's going on in there, but only if I'm at mentioned, I will actually be pulled back into there, but it can be very distracting. And I'm definitely the type that wants to know what's going on. And I will be just, I'll find myself just being so caught up and looking at every little thing. And then you want to see what's happening in water cooler and, oh, what did Deja do this weekend? So it can be very distracting if you don't have 
the discipline of managing it. I'm definitely working on that. Just yesterday, I had a few hours where I was doing the heads down time that you mentioned. And I was like, okay, I am not going to look at Slack, even if I get notified and it pops up, which causes like that, oh my gosh, what's wrong? What's burning down? Oh my gosh, what's happening? Like just being very diligent that I'm not going to do this. Nothing's going to happen. It's only an hour, but those are really good tips. I need to implement more of those. Well, I also would like to add to your point, Slack does do a good job. I think every few months, it'll say you haven't said anything in this channel in months. And I think there may be a fear where it's like, I don't want to leave this channel. But if you're not contributing or getting anything out of it, or you're not really needed in that conversation anymore, then why stay and just be like bogged down by messages that have nothing to do with you? Normalize leaving a channel, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I agree to everything that you all have said, and you've covered a lot of the major points. Another thing that people can do is like set a notification schedule, not only on their desktop application, but on their phone as well. So maybe you're off work at 5 p.m., but you still want to see notifications through 6 p.m. on your phone. There's so many different options, and setting up a notification schedule can help get that started. Also, I have noticed that Allocations has their own default notifications for when a new channel gets created. So we have it set up to where it's sending notifications for mentions only, which I think is a great way that Allocations is already helping the employees succeed and not getting bogged down in the noise. But yeah, you can definitely update those notifications for any channel as well. So great points. Another feature that I recently learned about, and again, thinking about it kind of from the company perspective, there's both, right? Both sides of the same coin. The, the company's got to get some basic things right. And then each team member has got to really tweak to make it fit their rhythms. But one of the things that I think has been helpful is the, and I'm not, I may not use the right terminology, but like a group short code where you can at a group and it goes out to several, several folks. Deja, tell us a little bit about that feature and how it works. Yeah, that is an amazing feature. I don't know why I'm now blanking on the name of it. Oh, sorry. So it's a user group, which I find to be very, very, very beneficial, especially as teams grow. You add a person to that user group. And also from that user group, you can add people automatically to like 10 channels at once. So anytime you guys have a new person come on and you're like, oh, well, we're in sales and we're in these 18 groups, it can become kind of tedious to go one by one by one. You add them to that user group. And now they're added to those channels as well. It's also a great feature if you're working in a channel where there's a bunch of different teams and they're all co-collaborating and you just want one team to specifically see this information. And you may not know who in that team particularly owns the issue that you're working on. You can alert the entire team by using at sales, at sales inch, things like that. I really do love when people divide it by team. So let's say sales. California, sales east, sales west. It's just really keeping those standardized and as clear as possible that it really makes it easy to use. It's easy for other people to contact you guys. There's not always just that one person who's left in charge of, well, I think I missed that thing. It just keeps everyone accountable so that nothing falls under the radar. User groups. Now we know the magic, the magic word. I love it. 
All right. So Brianna, let's talk about notifications. I think you were the first to teach me the difference between at here and (laughs) at channel, just for the record. So how do you think about when you're going to use a notification in a channel? Great question. So for those who are not familiar, when you use at channel, it sends a notification to every single person in the channel, whether they're online or not. And if you use at here, it sends to everybody who is online in that channel. So I think that a good rule of thumb is to think about who needs to know. Does everybody in this channel need to know right away? Is this something urgent? Or does everyone who's online need to know? Or is neither of that relevant? And it can just be a message that gets posted and people will see it as they have time to. So I think that if a lot of people understand the uses and just pause before sending one, it can really save a lot of people that extra noise during their day. I think I'd love to see a a line graph of the number of at mentions versus time on Slack. Because I have to think the longer you're on Slack the less you use at mentions for anything, right? You, you yeah. learn, gosh, I don't, I don't think I, as long as it goes in the right channel, I probably don't need to use very many of these at all. Or as the number of channels that you have goes up, you realize, let's not tell everybody, <laughs> post this to everybody. All right. Well, hope our audience is, is getting ready. We'll open it up for questions in a minute, but is there any other aspect from our panelists, again, thinking from the company perspective? So if there are other folks here that are starting their companies and implementing Slack or that are there may be a small team implementing Slack and you want to get some of those foundational things right before you grow and, and don't have to clean it up, but what's maybe one piece of advice that each of you would offer a company leader in that situation as they think about implementing Slack on their teams? Deja, we'll start with you. Okay. I think they should think about what their end goal is. I know it depends on a lot of people. Slack's initiative is to basically have it be to the point where you don't need to leave Slack to go outside to do any of your work. So if that's what you're looking for, then I would say Slack is definitely your tool. How you plan on communicating, how many people you would like to use in Slack. I am never biased, so I always recommend checking out Teams as well as an option for them and just really looking at some of the pros and cons to what you're looking for as a team. I actually may be a little biased because I worked at Slack and I'm a huge advocate for it and I find a huge use in it and it's great and can be tailored differently for so many different teams, but it's just all about what is it exactly that you guys are looking for this tool to do. Great point. Brianna, anything you'd add? Yeah, I think that something that's very important is setting up naming conventions for channels and then communicating that to the team and also teaching your team members about Slack and its uses and the the way that the company would like to, the different nuances, I guess, for your Slack group. So really get clear on those best practices for your individual company, not necessarily Slack best practices in general. But like you said, how does does this particular team or this particular company want to deploy that? Exactly. Good stuff. And so important. So important. All right, Rachel, what else is important for folks to know? I was definitely going to say what Brianna said, but (laughs) to reiterate something different, I would say 
definitely setting the expectations with the team and having ongoing training, especially for new hires and just reminders like we did today on our standup because people forget and bad habits creep in and we just all need to be kindly reminded of how to use the tool. So just building those into the system of training that you have and maybe have like an admin on your team that will help manage the Slack and have that sort of part of their role to make sure things are running smoothly and it's being used properly. That's what I, and then have fun with it, I guess. I mean, for me, I'm really all about like the GIFs on there and the fun emojis (laughs) and making it fun. And I think more people will use it if you make it fun and not just like another thing you have to do. So make it fun. Great point. All right. Audience members, anybody have a question that they would love to ask this awesome panel? Oh, Emily and JT. All right, Emily, let's come on up first. Hi, y'all. Great. Loving the tips that you're sharing and just seeing or hearing, I should say, your your insight into your personal experiences with Slack. Um, I guess just delving into that a little bit more. I'm just curious as to how you... I guess set because we are uh, so much of the communicating that we do is through Slack. And I feel like that's a lot of like the majority, like besides our Zoom meetings, how we build relationships with each other. How do you decide personally how you'll, I guess, draw boundaries for yourself? How far you kind of open yourself up to your team? I guess I would just love to know how you, yeah, just how much of yourself you are allow yourself to show via Slack. Yeah, I think I can answer that a little bit because something that I think sometimes we forget, especially while being fully remote and communicating in Slack, is that there's a person on the other end and not just that picture that you see pop up. So I think it it would still in line with like my own personal boundaries where it's like I still want to be vulnerable and show who I am and show up as a person and also say there's only so much that I can do at one time and set realistic expectations with people Like, hey, you know, I see that you messaged me. This is something that I may be able to do in a couple of days or a couple hours. I will put this on my list. It's not something that I can work on now. And I mean, just keeping that kindness. Again, I think a lot of people forget like, oh, I'm actually talking to someone, not only a real person, but someone that I actually work with. And sometimes like, it's always like, this needs to be done now. And sometimes I can be guilty of that as well. And I have to remind myself, I have to give other people kindness and not assume that the thing that I need done is this like work stopping thing that's going to break everything when in reality, it's not. So no is a full sentence on top of that. So I'll add to that, that it's good to think about that for yourself first. Like, what are my boundaries going to be towards my teammates and coworkers, and then make a habit of it. So if you're in the habit of immediately replying to a message, guess what? People are going to expect that you're going to reply immediately. So if you have a habit of doing something a certain way, people are going to be okay if you don't reply within an hour or so. So if you can practice healthy boundaries, even though it may feel very difficult, it will be beneficial for everybody. Yeah, I would add that for me, sort of sharing and being vulnerable on Slack can feel a bit unnatural at times. I'm naturally a very private person and I don't naturally like to have a lot of attention on myself. So (laughs) what I try and do is since I know the benefit of doing that, especially as a leader in the company, 
I challenge myself to do that more and sort of push myself out of my comfort zone and take it on as a challenge because I do see the benefit of doing that. And my hope in doing that is to encourage others to feel comfortable to do so and to just continue to build on our culture. So that's something that I try and do. Thank you. Emily, I think that's a great question. And I think this is where some of those niche groups really can be utilized in this way because we can we can share things that help us connect with others, but they're not really things that are that intimate, right? Our, our favorite ravioli at Trader Joe's, you know, sharing that with our teammates really isn't that vulnerable or our favorite book or our favorite podcast. And so I think those channels to for me personally, our Wordle, that's my new favorite channel where we all just share and celebrate our Wordle scores each day because we do get to connect and celebrate with each other. But to me, it doesn't feel like it even gets close to any of those boundaries that can sometimes be intense. So I do think some of the other fun channels can can hold space. You know, we talked about out of office or water cooler For me personally, those can be the scary ones, right? Where you're really sharing something close to the vest, where the fun channels, you know, maybe make it a goal to post once a week or so in one of the fun channels as a way to build connection. And to that note about the Wordle channel, I feel like it's passively bonding in a way because we're all doing the same thing every day and posting our results and sharing that moment with people. I think it's really cool. Yes. And it's really not even just Wordle anymore. It's Wordle, (laughs) Dirtle, Hurdle, and Wordle all in in one channel. So if you are a, a puzzle nerd, the Wordle channels are a new secret find in that. Great question, Emily. Thank you for exploring this path with us. Thank you. All right. I see Anne's got a question as well. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for this. This was super helpful. And even throughout this recording, I was like, adding different channels that I was unfamiliar with. I didn't know existed like team pets. Like, oh my God, (laughs) how have I not been a part of this channel? But that actually leads me to something. So I've pretty much maintained like the sort of company policy of like just being notified when I'm mentioned or when the team is mentioned. So I find that like, I tend to forget to check some of these other channels. Like sometimes I'll like, even today, I think when we hopped on to, Stand up. People were talking about the weekend. I'm like, how did they know what was happening over the weekend? And then I was like, oh, it's all posted on water cooler. So do you guys have like tips on how to just sort of remind yourself to like look at some of these other channels so you can kind of stay up to date and without being notified every time somebody is posting? I'm the wrong person to ask because I am constantly looking and I'm the worst about the noise because if I see that bold text of a channel, I'm like, okay, what is it? I need to clear it from Slack. (laughs) So, but I think in an ideal world, you could organize and group your channels by importance. And so maybe you've got your most important things that you're in during the day at the top and then different groups after that. And then maybe you take 10 or 20 minutes at the beginning of the day or the end of the day to clear your notifications and read everything. But definitely finding something that would work for you would be great. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And Anne has a special role where she's managing an entirely different Slack community of a thousand people. So I can imagine that there's so many things to keep on on track with, but I would say just 
maybe setting what I try and do is early in the morning. First thing I'll look through all my notifications on Slack. And then obviously during the day you're in meetings, you're busy, but then last thing in the evening, I'll look again so that at least I do two full sweeps a day to make sure I didn't miss anything. Any insider Slack (laughs) tips for this one? I am also guilty of forgetting channels exist and then going in and it's like, oh, I missed information. So really just to reiterate what Brianna said was to group those, those channels. Like it's so easy to do. It, it really puts those channels out there for you. So they're not just a bunch of channels just all blob together. Now you have your specific ones. That's like, this one is for the ones that I need to look out immediately every single day. You could group them by date. Like I'll check this one once a week. And don't be afraid to look at the apps. Slack has a bunch of cool applications that you can install onto your specific Slack space. So search them, look them up, see if they benefit you. I end up doing that a lot of the time if I need a certain tool. And it's a Slack. I'm like, oh, it already exists here. So I can just add it in. It could be something like, oh, remind me to look at X, Y, and Z over time. Something that I also do is... I will turn on my notifications, like all of them for specific channels, if I need to see everything that goes through that channel. That way I don't miss anything. But again, I agree with what uh, both of these lovely ladies have said as far as grouping and then just making the time to check them. It all depends on what things are, are more important to you as well. Like there are certain channels that I'm like, I don't need this, which again, we should normalize leaving the channel if you don't need it, but... <laughs> Well, or temporarily mute it. When you guys started binge this, whew, I had to mute, but then I can come back to it once the initial wave was over. So being strategic about that too. Thank you guys. Thanks, Ann. All right. Lisa's got a question. Okay. Hi guys. Oh my gosh. I think I took so many notes and you answered every single question I had about Slack. And I really don't even have a question because you hit everything. I'll check all the boxes, but Maybe if you could tell me, I'm used to Microsoft Teams. I don't know if anyone has used that in the past. And I really think I'm a walking Slack channel because I love talking to everyone. But what do you feel maybe is the advantage that Slack has over Microsoft Teams? I would love to just jump in on that one right away. Dave is ready. I just left from using Teams at my last job and I absolutely hated it. It feels very cold. I yeah. like the custom emojis. Yeah. I like being able to upload a coworker's face. And anytime we mention that coworker, we just add their emoji to it. I found in Teams that a lot of people didn't use it in a personalized kind of way. It was always very business. I never saw any like customized channels where it's like pets or just where people are communicating. It was just always so work-related. It lacks a lot of the integrations that Slack has like a lot of the apps that we have, like you won't find things necessarily like where you can join or I'm sorry, that you can like update a Google document in Slack and then have that automatically upload into your Google Drive. Like those aren't things that you find in Teams. And yeah, I don't know. It feels warmer. It feels like I'm actually talking to people like the walls let down a little bit versus, I don't know, it feels a little robotic for me personally. Thank you. No other Microsoft team folks. No. No offense, oh, sorry. Okay. No, no, thank you. My husband uses it. And what I've seen is that it does look super corporate. 
and just like dry toast. It just seems really boring. So <laughs> I agree with what Deja is saying. I feel like Slack's just more aligned with like a tech company, right. just from my personal opinion. Microsoft just seems so stiff and corporate in a lot of ways. So I feel like Slack is a better user interface and user experience. And those custom emojis are amazing. Yeah. I love the custom emojis. They're my favorite. That's I love this question. conversation. It's beautiful to me how software can have can have feelings, right? <laughs> you know, that the software can feel warm or cold. I think as a as a non-engineer, I find that really exciting and and interesting and just a a reminder that work is art, right? Even work that may not seem like it at first can actually be art and can convey Deja, you talked about feeling warmth, you know, or, or feeling connection. I think it's really beautiful that software can help us do that. That's really cool. Perfect. Thank you. All right. More questions. JT, come on up. Thanks for having me on and thanks for the discussion. This is interesting to me. I think Slack is an incredibly powerful tool, but like any other tool, it's like in the hands of the user. So kind of curious, you know, we've talked about boundaries and you guys were also talking about kind of asynchronous capabilities and things like that too. I'm kind of curious what you guys think as company policy, maybe versus kind of that individual organic creation of like the decorum and the rules of the road on Slack, just kind of like how you're thinking about that. I personally think that Slack is a mirror of the company. How people use it is always a mirror of their culture. I have seen it be used in more of a a team's kind of way where there's just like that lack of personal communication and everything is very cut and dry. So I think it depends on on where you work, how people use it and what they define. And I think policies then come from that. Like some companies are like, you know, we only want this to be used for engineers. This is only going to be a place where we talk about code that we're working on, bugs, things like that. And no other team is going to live in here. And then that policy is created there versus other teams and companies were like, this is a whole team use We want you guys to use this how you see fit. We want you guys to create your own channels. We don't really care about whether you guys follow specific naming tools, things like that. I just think that the culture always reflects what we see. When I joined, I think I was employee 38. And so there were only a handful of we'll say fun channels. Like we had team podcast, team music, team books. And I, Kendra, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that somebody in leadership had started those channels originally. And so I think that it just sets the tone that it's okay for somebody to start a given channel, a channel for Wordle, a channel for your pets, whatever the case may be. It just allows that permission like, okay, yeah, we're going to have all these different channels for work, which is great. And then there's also this option that you all can create and bond and connect with your coworkers on a different level. Great point. And I see Emily chiming in the question below about when did allocations adopt Slack? I want to say the team that eventually formed allocations was using Slack before allocations was technically born. So so Slack probably predates the actual birth of the company, which is interesting. You might even say it contributed to allocations coming coming together. And, and you're right, Rana, in terms of forming those channels. I think Kingsley specifically started water cooler and team out of office. It was just such a neat way to, when you're working asynchronously, to know who was working which days and, and that sort of thing. 
And then the water cooler was just a way for folks all around the world to, you know, share a little bit about their office views or whatever that Mm -hmm. might be. And then I'm probably such a word nerd. I'm probably responsible for the books and podcast versions. Somebody way more fun than me did the uh, (laughs) pets and and binge this and, and Trader Joe's. I'm not nearly that that creative. But as we've added more more team members for different groups, it seems like our new themes emerge. We do have the sort of the freedom to feel like we can add add channels to represent that. And I feel like that was very intentional. I'll never forget when we were in Miami, Kendra, and we had this discussion when it was still a very small leadership team. And it was an executive decision to encourage these kind of conversations in an open forum like Slack. And it really comes down to our values that really is the foundation of the company, which is people first and being human first and being very mindful oriented. So I do remember it was a very intentional decision to facilitate this open connectivity on Slack. That's a great point. We probably spent two or three hours when we were a group of 11 or 12 at that point, really Because we were talking about Slack, but to your point, we were talking about what type of connections and facilitation we were going to support. And if I remember right, we decided that we would allow any team members to connect on things that they were for. So anything that you're for, that we would absolutely embrace that and things that we were against, we would discourage collaborating on things that we were against and try to reframe it into what team members could be for. And that has has really served us well. We've not really had to had to internally edit much in that regard. To your point, it has set by example, you know, and hopefully demonstrate those values in a positive way. Great question, JT. That Very awesome. cool. Thank you for those answers. Yeah. All right, James. Hey, I appreciate you letting me join your discussion on Slack. I'm a very organized individual, I think, at times, and I really like having Slack organized. And so I've implemented some of those group suggestions. So curious from you three power users, what other suggestions or tricks have you not shared with us that will help make my life even better? My favorite thing ever, and this is probably a well-known thing by now, but the scheduling, the message scheduling, I utilize that every day because... It's just so much easier to plan out your day when you're not being reactive. So scheduling messages, especially if it's like, for example, reminding the team about the podcast recording today. I scheduled all of that out. It's so easy to do that and it streamlines your life. So I highly recommend utilizing that and then also respecting team members' working hours. So being mindful to schedule sort of personal messages to people. But that's a great tool that has helped me a ton. For me, I'll say it is the slash commands. A lot of people don't utilize those. And that's across the board, not just here. When I meet a lot of other people and talk to them, they're also like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a game changer. You should use it. There's so many different features that you can do with that Slack command. And Slack is nice enough to say, as soon as you hit that slash, like, oh, what would you like to do? Here's all of your options. Go ahead and go through and click on them. My favorite is the slash gift command. And then you can, as soon as you do slash gift, you can type in whatever gift you're looking for, like running. And then you can just like search through all of the different gifts that they have. And then that way I just send it out. I don't have to go to a website and look for it. It's just all built in right there for me. Well, I didn't know that existed till just now. That is so cool. Slash commands, saving lives. Also apps are great. 
Yeah, those are all great tools. A couple things that I use often is you have your own message with yourself. So you can send yourself notes and reminders. Sometimes I use that to put things that I want to refer back later, which you can also use the save option. You can save a post and then go back to it later. But then the other thing that I use probably daily is the turn off notifications for replies. So if you've replied in a threaded discussion, and you don't necessarily need to see all the responses after yours, you can turn off notifications for replies. So that's helping minimize the noise and not getting a notification for every single reply after that. All right. Well, we had to wait till the end of the session to really get all the mind-blowing advice. And yes, to Lisa's idea here, I think we're absolutely going to have to (laughs) create a Slack channel for all of the amazing Slack advice will be meta on meta there. But thank you all so much for your overarching wisdom in how we think about this and making sure that the tool is is set up for its purpose. And then in all the nuances, both on the, the company perspective and the team member perspective, to really make the most out of it, get as many of those fun wins and work wins too, of course, while minimizing the noise. Thank you, Rachel and Brianna and and Deja for being with us today. Thank Thanks you. For having us. This was awesome. Very helpful. I learned so much from you, amazing ladies. Thank you. Likewise. Yes. Now you know why I secretly love to host the podcast because I get to learn I from everybody. <laughs> it's like forced learning every week. Beautiful. Really cool. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you to our team members here today with such insightful questions. And of course, to our panelists for sharing their wisdom. Thank you all.